Well, good morning, Gateway. I'm really pleased to be sharing with you this morning part two of our current message series, Family Matters. And you know, that, of course, that phrase means two things. It means we're talking about family matters, matters that pertain to families, and also the fact that family does matter. It is, it is part of God's great plan. In fact, when you think about it, very often we think about how government of a country might matter, might be important. Or if you ask a Christian, they would say that church is important, church matters. But before God invented any of these other things, long before the church was invented, God invented the family. And so the family was his idea. But depending on what kind of family background you come from, you may have either a positive or a negative or most likely a mixed view of family life. So if all you've ever known is a dysfunctional family and we encourage you to be part of God's family, that might sound to you like we're encouraging you to be part of a dysfunctional family because that's all you know of family. And so what I want to do today is not so much talk about our families uh, as human beings, but I want to talk about God's family. Today we are talking about the Father and His family. You see, God had a dream in His heart that He would have a family, and He created us to be His sons and daughters, to be His family. And so, regardless of your experience of family life in the past, whether it be good or bad. Today we're going to talk about a new family, a spiritual family, and, w and one that when you become part of this family, it changes you and it brings so many benefits and blessings into your life. Let me just give you a little illustration. I recently came, a, I came across a story. It was from a few years ago. It was from 2016, but I only read it just recently. And it was about this man who had been brought up in a very abusive family so that when he was old enough, he left his family and he cut off all contact with his family. Didn't want any other further contact with them. But he still had the family name. His surname was still the family name. And he felt that he didn't want to be associated with his family whatsoever. So he legally changed his name, his family name, his surname. And he couldn't come up with a name that he liked. So he decided on the name Null, N-U-L-L. And he said his reason was because null means nothing. And so he had zero connection with his family. And so he was going to change his name to null. And so that's what he did legally. But do you know what happened after his name changed? After his family name changed? This man discovered that there was a whole lot of unexpected benefits came when your surname was null. One of them being that very often when he buys items online or when he books hotels online and puts null into the surname, the computer interprets that as meaning no information available and his bill often comes with zero dollars. He doesn't have to pay. 
all of a sudden provision is coming his way simply because his family name changed. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come into a brand new family. Anything negative, anything sinful, anything destructive, anything ungodly from our past family line is now null and void. And we have been brought into God's family. And you know what? Very often we discover that God is paying our bills, that God is bringing us blessings, that God has become our provider. So let's look at the father and his family. And briefly, I want us to look at three different things that Scripture revealed to us about God and his family. And the first point is this. God is a family. God is a family. You know, uh, there is only one God. There is one God who is, who is the one power, one presence that fills all things, that created all things. And yet God manifests or reveals or displays his true character in a number of ways. And one of them is he displays, the one God displays himself almost like a family unit. The Bible describes God as a father. Now, I realize that in some senses, God does not have a gender. I mean, the Bible says God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so it all sounds a little bit confusing to us because it, it's referring to God in the masculine gender. He created them. He created them in his image and likeness. But then he says he created them male and female. So both male and female are in the image and likeness of God. So although God is a father and Jesus revealed God to be a father, a father, now a good father who loves for the children he has produced, who cares for them, who stays with them, who provides, who guides, and who is there for advice and for wisdom as we go through life. God is a father. But there are places in the Bible that it describes God as a mother as well. You know, in the book of Psalms, it says that, that God is, is like a mother and we are like the babies that are being nursed by the mother and sitting on the mother's lap. In other words, that picture is declaring to us that just like a little baby is helpless, helpless to feed and nurture itself and sustain its own life, but the mother is giving of her life into the baby to give the baby life, so we receive our life from God. In a number of case, places, the Bible describes God as being like a mother. And in actual fact, very often when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, in Hebrew and in Greek, it actually uses the feminine term there as well. So God is our Father, and He sends the Spirit to us, who is our comforter, and who is, has a motherly role in our life. And yet Jesus is God's Son, His only begotten Son. So here we have like a family unit. 
And not only is Jesus God's only begotten son, but Jesus is also our elder brother, because we also, as we'll see in a few minutes, are children of God. So we have a father, we have the motherly presence of the Holy Spirit who can comfort and guide us through life. We have an elder brother whose name is Jesus. And so God is a father. Let's just look at what the scriptures say about this. In the book of Ephesians and in the book of Hebrews, we have this. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Maybe that's a surprise for you that there's families in heaven, not only families on earth. And so there's family units in heaven and there's family units in earth. And it says here, every family in heaven and on earth derive their name from God the Father. If we were to read this in the Greek, we would discover that the word for father and the word for family are almost the same word. And this is actually, this would be a better way of saying it. Every father, every human father on earth only gets that fatherly nature from the true father who is God. And every human family here on earth is a reflection in human terms of the heavenly family that God displays in heaven. It says here on earth, every man that is trying to be a good father and every family that is trying to be a healthy family, that what we are doing is we are trying to reflect something of the true father and the true family that we are a part of. God, for whom, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. So God only had one son, but now he has many children. He chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into, the, into salvation. So now Jesus and us have the same Father. Think of that. So now Jesus and us have the same Father. He is our elder brother. We are his younger brothers and sisters. So now Jesus and those of us whom he has saved have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and his sisters. And so uh, the whole concept of family, my first point is this, the whole concept of a family and the whole concept of a father who provides for that family came from God to start with. He is the family. So that's the first point. The second point is this, God didn't just stay a family unit all, all on his own. God created the heavens and the earth. And my second point is, <clears throat> we could just move on to the next one, is that humanity 
is a family. Humanity is a family. You know, here we are um, right now as we're, as we're filming this. If you're watching this this week, of course, you might be watching it in years to come. But if you're watching this live today, you will know that right now and for the past few weeks, our televisions and social media are filled with all kinds of debates and anger and upset over the topic of racism. And people are talking about different races and how can the races live together in harmony. Do you know that according to God, there's only one race? The human race. And But yet we have this idea of dividing people. We always want to divide. You know, humanity is a family. God is the creator of all people. And so in some sense, there is a universal fatherhood of God. And there is a universal brotherhood of man. So that is true. It's, it is not fully true, only in a limited sense, as we'll see in a few minutes when we get to point three. It's not God's ultimate intention, but he, is the, he has fathered all humanity in the sense that God is the creator of all humanity. And therefore, in some sense, God is everyone's father and we are all brothers and sisters. And there is only one race, the human race. Now, there may be different nationalities. There may be different ethnic groups and so on. But there's only one race. Yet as human beings, we often divide. Sometimes we will divide over visible things. Like this person has one skin color and that person has another skin color. And we will divide over that. However, I come from the UK. And when I grew up in Scotland, the division that I came across was between Scottish people and English people who had the same skin color but had different nationalities. Now, a lot of that was friendly rivalry. But yeah, I knew plenty of Scottish people who hated, who despised with a vengeance English people. Isn't that a form of racism? When we moved here to Canada, one of my daughters was relentlessly bullied in school for having a Scottish accent and was told, we hate Scottish people, go back to Scotland. The school refused to do anything about it um, so, uh, and, and didn't help at all, even though I continually went up. And eventually I said to the principal of the school, if we were Jamaican instead of Scottish, would you do something about it? He said, of course, that would be racism. So you see, sometimes we notice and we're aware of differences. And we think it's terrible when that person is being prejudiced against that person. But if it wasn't about race, it could be about nationality. It could be about accent. It could be about, about hair color or eye color. It could be about political preference. It could be about all kinds of things. As human beings, somehow or other, we like to divide and we like to be against one another. It's, it's almost like this. Sinful humans, because we are sinful, we create problems. When we create problems with our sin, those problems affect society. Once we realize that society has been affected by a problem, we start a big movement to fix that problem. 
But that problem is caused by the fact that we are sinful human beings. And if we fix that problem, we're just going to pop up with another problem someplace else and someplace else and someplace else because the only solution, and can I just say this? I want to say this strongly because I've noticed recently on social media that a lot of Christians seem to now think that politics is the answer. I've got news for you. Unless you know that Jesus is the answer and what the world needs is Jesus, not a new political movement, not a new president or prime minister, the world needs a savior. And if you don't believe that, I would question whether you're actually a Christian. Because a Christian is somebody who believes that the problem is not racism, sexism, economic differences, political differences. The problem is sin. And when we treat people badly, it's because we are sinners and we need a savior. And Christians have discovered that Jesus is the answer and God's kingdom is the way that we should be living. And so I hope, I hope that your hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ. And so humanity is a family and God is the creator of all people. And if we realize just this one truth alone, it would solve many of our problems. Look at what Paul says in the book of Acts. And just before we read this, I just want to tell you that in those days, the people of Athens were Athenian supremacists. Okay? They believed, they had a belief that people from Athens were superior to other ethnic groups. And they even had a creation myth about how they were created separately. So Paul goes in there and he reveals the truth that all of humanity is one race and one family with one creator. And he says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Now look at this. From one man, he made all the nations. From one man... Now, when Paul was preaching this in Athens, he was completely going against the cultural beliefs that people in Athens had, that they had been created separately from other humans and that they were superior to other humans. And he's very clear, from one man, God has made all humanity. And in fact, some English translations of the Bible word this a little bit differently, actually more accurately. It's not so much from one man he made all the nations, but from one blood is what it says. From one blood he made all of the nations. So whether you're Canadian, American, Chinese, Indian, German, whether your skin is black, white, or brown, whether you're male or female, all of us have human blood flowing through our veins because from one blood and from one man, he made all the nations um, and that they, should, um, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. 
You know, we know history. We know there was a time that the Egyptians were the main people. Before that, it was the Babylonians. Uh, sorry, the Sumerians. The, then later, there was the Babylonians. There was the Greeks. There was the Romans. Nations rise and nations fall, but humanity is one family created by God. And so... That's my second point. My first point was that God is a family. The second point is all of humanity, of every ethnic group, is a family. But the third point is this. The church is, a f is the family of God. You know, you might, feel, you might not feel like part of a family. Maybe, you, maybe you're literally were brought up as an orphan or maybe you feel like an orphan. A lot of people feel orphaned in life. Uh, they feel cut off and separated from other people. Do you know the Bible says that God takes the lonely and the orphans and he places them in a family? Do you know that when you put your faith in Christ, whether you came from a good family or a bad family, whether you knew your family or didn't know your family, you were translated into God's family? We are all God's children in a general sense as he created us all. But when we are born again, we truly become a son of God. I know sometimes people prefer to say a child of God. I'm okay with that. I'm even okay to say sons and daughters of God. But, I, but to be absolutely honest, what the Bible says is we all become sons of God, whether we're male or female. And the reason we all become sons of God is because we are in the Son of God. We are in Christ. So we all become sons of God or children of God properly. And we begin a relationship with our heavenly Father. Let's look at what the Bible says about that. It says in 1 John chapter 3, See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children. Because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. You're not going to become God's child when you die and go to heaven. You became God's child the second you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Something even more glorious awaits in the future. But right now, you are already a son and a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are all brothers and sisters. And it is not dependent upon the color of our skin or the accent we speak in or the nation that we come from, but it's all because of the fact that we have the same father. He fathered each and every one of us from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Let's just move on here. It says here in 1 John, but that's, I've got a dog walking past the window just now. And my dog knows that that dog is not... Is, <laughs> my dog knows that that dog is not part of this family. So he's immediately hostile to it and territorial. And, you know... That's what humans are very often like as well. We, you know, 
we scapegoat other humans. But the point is, if my dog went out and saw that dog, they would run around the backyard together and have so much fun. And very often, the people we are scared of, the people we hate, the people we dislike, could end up being our best friends because God brings people together. So look, we, um, we, we will be like him when we see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. So we become part of the family of God with brothers and sisters all over the world from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And you are part of that family. That is if you've put your faith in Jesus. Because I have a question to ask you. Have you become a child of God yet? Yes, I know I said that in some sense, we are all children of God because there is the universal fatherhood of God. He is the creator of everybody. But have you actually come into the family? Have you been born again of the Holy Spirit and been brought into God's family? Now, maybe you're saying, yes, yes, I've done that. Well, I've got a second question here. Are you sure? The Bible says we should make our calling and election sure. In other words, to put that in just normal speech, like if you're hanging about church and hanging about Christians and you regard yourself as a Christian, maybe you should get alone before God and just make sure that you truly have been saved by God. Because if you're not sure then you will always question whether God really is your father, whether you really are his child, whether you truly can trust and rely up upon him. You know, I just want to show you something here as we put it up on the screen. It says here in John chapter one, Christ came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You can become a child of God if you will believe in him and if you will receive him children of God, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Do you know for sure that you are born again, that you have been born into the family of God, that God has truly become your spiritual father, and that we have truly become your spiritual brothers and sisters? If there's any doubts, I just want to encourage you to pray along with me today. Maybe you've got your family or friends there with you. Just gather together because we are going to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ. So let's say this prayer together. And as we say this prayer, let's be putting our lives in God's hands. Let's be believing in Jesus 
and receiving him. And the Bible says that when we do that, God makes us the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, please forgive me for all the things I have done wrong. I turn to you and turn away from sin. Jesus, please be the center of my life. I welcome you personally as Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me and empower me to live as a child of God. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, if you prayed that prayer today, maybe for the first time or as a rededication, let us know in the, con the Connect card that you can click on and you can fill in some details. We would love to, to, to hear your story and maybe send you back some resources that will help you out in the future. So God bless you. And remember, next week is part three of Family Matters.